0: I left the swearing-in ceremony with a smile. When I was promoted to captain of administration, hiring and recruiting had become my number one job. I still had all the other things nobody wanted to do, like internal affairs, public information, and accreditation. But we were short, and we needed bodies now. My department had been historically shorthanded. First and foremost, we were one of the lowest staff police departments in the United States, with an average of .8 officers per 1,000 residents. The national average at the time was 2.5 officers per 1,000 residents. On top of that, when I moved into the job, we had 10% of our positions not filled. So recruiting and hiring became my number one priority. The first thing I did was overhaul an outdated hiring process. I cut down the 25-page application to five online questions. I moved from a static twice-a-year testing process to a rolling process that was ongoing. I also hand-walked all of the applications through the process as quickly as possible instead of letting them pile up until we had a stack of them to review. What that meant was I took a process that had taken a year to complete and cut it down to three months. I also took advantage of every job fair and speaking engagement to get the word out about our department. Over the years, our pay had become non-competitive and it was a real challenge to attract new hires. So I focused on the work. With a department as short-staffed as ours, we were busy and our officers had to deal with everything a city could throw at them. I leaned heavily into that. You want to be a cop? Then come to our department because you're going to get a chance to do real police work. I was smiling after the swearing-in ceremony because we were fully staffed. All of my hard work had helped us not only fill that 10% deficit, but we also kept up with the general turnover and people leaving. I walked into the administrative assistant's office and placed the paperwork on her desk. We are fully staffed, was all I said. She looked up at me. I don't know that I've seen us fully staffed for a decade. You've really done a great job, she said. At that moment, one of the officers walked into the office and put their resignation paperwork on her desk. He shrugged. Pay is better, and they aren't running us ragged like here, was all he said. I was fully staffed for about five minutes. What a punch in the gut. It's time to start telling our own stories. I'm Steve Kellums and welcome to Blue Canary. During my three years as the administrative captain, I hired 43 police officers. 43 in three years. That number becomes amazing when you realize that my department was only allowed 100 cops at maximum staffing. turnover in three years. Sadly, only in policing can you get away with that. If I were to address the board of directors for a company and told them that the employee turnover was 43%, I probably wouldn't have my job for very long. But in policing, that's not uncommon. If you add in corrections officers, you'll see that number rise even higher. The question we should be asking ourselves is why? Why is turnover so high? Why are officers leaving like crazy? And what can we do to stop it? In August of 2023, the police department in Goodhue, Minnesota resigned. Goodhue is a small town in southeastern Minnesota with a population of about 1,000 people. On August 15th, NBC News reported that the chief of police, a full-time officer, and five part-time officers all resigned over low pay. They were making $22 an hour, or a little over $45,000 per year. All of the surrounding agencies were paying at least $30 an hour, or a little over $62,000 per year. I'm pretty sure all of us can agree that a $17,000 a year pay raise is nothing to sneeze at. Many of the headlines read, Good You Officials Blindsided. When you're paying your people $17,000 less than everyone else, can you truly claim that you had no idea that they might leave? I think that statement is a little disingenuous. In 2022, the entire police force of Kinley, North Carolina, resigned. Kinley has over 1,500 residents, and the chief of police, four full-time officers, one part-time officer, and two clerks resigned over what they said was a hostile work environment. The headlines quickly claimed the real reason was racism, for two months prior to the mass resignation, a new black female had been appointed as the town manager. However, the prior town manager had also been black and there hadn't been any issues. While the resignation letters did not go into details, the chief had made a number of statements through social media stating that the new town manager had constant demands that could not be met due to staffing and that the chief had been written up a number of times for not being at his desk because he was working the street to help the officers, that he wasn't allowed to talk to business people in the community or even speak to council members. Hostile work environment indeed. In 2016, Bunker Hill, Indiana had similar issues. The small Indiana town of 900 people found themselves without a police force when the town marshal and four reserve deputies all quit. This incident was not strictly about pay, but a variety of problems, both financial and political. For example, the town council would not provide sufficient funding and forced every officer on the department to share a single piece of body armor. There were also allegations of town council members having the officers run background checks on other members of the town council, of politically motivated discipline, and even denying medical benefits to an officer who had cancer. These stories are indicative of the issues officers and departments are facing all across the United States. Sometimes it's about money. Sometimes it's about politics. And sometimes it's both. Police departments are dependent upon outside political entities for their pay and benefits. Whether it's a county or town council, mayor or town manager, at the end of the day, police departments do not have control of the purse strings. For decades, police administrators and advocates have been pushing for greater benefits, higher salaries, and better work environment, many times to deaf ears. Police departments need to do something to keep up with the demands. They needed to figure out how to make sure that they could keep their staffing up. Internally, departments needed to make a decision and historically, they have decided to focus on recruiting new officers instead of retaining their current officers. Recruiting and hiring became the catchphrase. Everything was about recruiting and hiring. There are classes that teach administrators how to properly recruit and hire, how to use resources like job fairs, how to encourage officers to leave an agency and come to theirs. Time, energy, and attention have all been focused on recruiting, not retaining. Today, It is not uncommon for police agencies to waive certain hiring standards for applicants that have already passed a police academy. It's not uncommon for officers with prior law enforcement experience to bypass many steps in the hiring process. It's not uncommon for departments to waive physical fitness standards and even training requirements such as field training for prior law enforcement. They make it as easy as possible to get hired. Many agencies will pay an officer a higher salary than normal based on their professional background. For example, many agencies will allow an officer who has five years' experience in policing to start on day one at the department with a salary equivalent to that of a five-year officer instead of with a probationary officer's salary. Pay raises for recruits have reached an all-time high. Currently, there is a proposed salary increase for the Indiana State Police that would give recruit officers in the academy a 40% pay raise. Finally, departments have leaned heavily into bonuses. Bonuses paid to new employees to take the job. A $5,000 signing bonus seems to be pretty common for agencies that pay bonuses, but I've seen bonuses as high as $20,000. Remember that bonuses are one-time deals, so it is far less financially burdensome than salary raises. Now, you may be saying, Steve, these are all good things. You would be right if we were simply talking about the new employee. But remember, they work in a department with other, proven employees employees and officers that may be busting their ass every day at work. They may be the perfect employee, but then a new recruit can walk in the door and without having to do anything, they automatically make more money than the proven loyal officer. What a kick in the nuts. Do you want a surefire way to piss off your cops? Start paying rookies more than them. Basically, departments decided since they couldn't control paying benefits, then the current officers were on their own. You want more money, form a union. You'll have to get raises at the bargaining table. Hey, if it were up to me, you'd all get raises. It's on the city council. It's not my fault none of the officers can agree on a contract. These are all statements I have heard more than once. As I said, tenured officers are on their own. While pay and benefits are a big deal, there is a lot more to it than money. We see that in the news articles I spoke about earlier. Administrations made that bad decision to ignore their employees and only focus on applicants but it's not too late to change that. It's time that agencies realize that if I am retaining my proven employees, I don't need to worry about hiring as many new ones. The Legal Liability Risk Management Institute is the nation's largest provider of liability and risk management services in the United States. Our goal is to help reduce liability, reduce lawsuits, and enhance officer performance. Regardless of the size of your agency, we have a risk management solution. You may contact us at www.llrmi.com or call 317-386-8325. Let's take a look at what agencies could be doing to retain their employees. Let's start with money. Pay raises have been necessary within law enforcement for a long time. This is a very difficult job, and the expectation of perfection, along with working in a highly toxic environment every day, should result in pay that was commensurate with the job requirements. Instead, on average, cops get paid the same as construction workers. As I've said before, I have no problem with construction workers. They have a tough job, too. But unlike cops, people are not trying to kill construction workers because of their job. Recently, we've seen some impressive pay raises for police across the country. In the last five years, we've seen salaries for officers increase from as low as 8% up to a whopping 21%. The push for this has been recruiting. Departments have reported over and over again that without significant pay raises, they cannot compete in the hiring market. Good Hugh Minnesota can't keep paying their police force $17,000 a year less than all of the agencies around them. If they want a police force, they need to pay for it. Police administrators should be pushing, and I mean seriously pushing, for salary and benefit increases for their employees. What do I mean about benefits? Now, how about full paid insurance coverage for the officer and the officer's family? More paid time off stipends for advanced education, pay for health benefits such as gyms, massages, and physical therapy, free mental health services, housing stipends, take-home cars, just to name a few. All of this costs money, though. And with money, there's a kicker. The more money you make, the more you will have to work. Okay, that's not going to be entirely true across the board. As a matter of fact, the key to paying benefits for cops is to be the first ones to do it. If you're leading the pack in paying benefits and you can stay in front Things are going to be great. Once you fall behind and start trying to make it up, that's where the hidden trap comes into play. If a department is 15% below staffing because they do not have a competitive salary, the community is banking all of that extra money. You see, they budget every year as though the city were at 100% staffing and at the highest possible pay scale across the board, but that's a different story. So that 15% that is not being paid each year is going into the bank. When the community decides to give all of their officers a 10% raise, that's great for the officers that are working. But now the community is going to drag their heels on hiring because they claim they don't have the money to pay the full staffing at the new rate. So that 15% shortage of officers, that just became your new unofficial staffing cap. Agencies that paid great out-of-the-gate Don't have to worry about this for the most part, but you have to be aware that growth of a department will be affected by the base salary rate of officers. Pay and benefits are very important, but I want to focus on the other things an agency can do to retain their employees instead of focusing on recruiting. Work environment. Make the police department a place that employees want to be. Make the department comfortable. This isn't hard. Sure, it may cost a few bucks, but nothing like pay increases for employees. When you look at the typical police department, the inside is made up of cinder block walls, poor natural lighting, uncomfortable temperatures, and plain white walls. The work desks are leftovers from the city council building, and the decor is straight up 1950. Create break rooms with comfortable seating, refrigerators, and meal prep areas where officers can relax and decompress. Don't let the temperature be controlled from city hall. Make sure that it's cool in the summer and warm in the winter. Provide flexible workstations for the officers. Standing desks are great for people who sit in cars all day long. Paint the walls in warm colors. Have plants in the workspace to encourage positivity. Decorate the surroundings with history of the department and change those pictures regularly. And probably, the most important one, keep the place clean and in good repair. My entire career I worked in buildings that were falling apart. Holes in walls. Lights didn't work. Basement flooded every time it rained. Furniture was broken and piled up in the corners, and you had to double-check every seat you sat in to make sure it wasn't going to collapse on you when you sat down. On top of all of that, the garbage cans would overflow, and nobody bothered to take it out. Why? Because nobody cared. When you work in an environment that is dirty and broken, it's clear that nobody cares, and if nobody cares, then neither do you. Praise often, loudly, and in public. People are social animals. They not only want to be part of something special, they need to be a part of something special. The police, as a profession, have been facing some of its most critical and caustic voices over the last five years, and without positive reinforcement, it can be very easy to start internalizing all of the negative emotions. Once that starts eating at you, it's only a matter of time before you want out. Departments need to be very vocal about the positive things the agency is doing for the community, not just to the community, but to the officers as well. Constant positive feedback is critical to a healthy police department. Officers' good performances should be discussed, talked about, rewarded, and encouraged. Instead of doing away with roll calls for monetary reasons, departments should be embracing the roll call as a place that supervisors can be encouraging those positive and exceptional performances of their officers in front of the officer's peers. In those roll calls, we should also be bringing attention to milestones in the officers' careers and lives, years of service, Good performance letters, award recommendations, promotions, birthdays, births. They should all be common discussions in areas of focus during roll call. Ceremonies are also an important step in building camaraderie amongst your officers. A formal award ceremony should be held at least once a year. That ceremony should be recognized all of the positive things that your officers have done and that has also happened in your agency. And allow time for the employees to be recognized in front of their peers for their performance. This should also be a family affair. These ceremonies build pride in the officers, pride in the coworkers, and pride in their agency. Finally, take the public relations battle to the media. Set up reoccurring appearances on the local TV shows and radio programs. The media will like it because they'll feel like they have an inside line to the department. You are going to use it to push positive stories about your agency and the officers. Do the same thing with print media. Meet with them frequently and strongly encourage positive stories. Finally, use social media to build up your agency and the work your officers are doing. Build professionalism. To be a part of something special means that you are working at an agency and with fellow employees that are all doing something important, something worthwhile, something needed. And you are doing it at the highest level. You must build professionalism within your organization. That starts with training. We have to stop looking at training as the first line item cut from the budget and start looking at it as the key to a successful department. If your agency makes training all of its employees a priority, then your department will be successful. If training is something you talk about at the yearly budget meetings, then your department will fail. When I talk about training, I'm not just talking about the big three. You know, SWAT training, internal affairs training, hostage training. Those are the big three. Departments will pay the money to send people to those training. Everything else, you're shit out of luck. Those three topics are important, and when you do them, you have to do them right. But you don't do them every day. You see, by focusing all of our training on the important tasks that are done rarely, we ignore the daily tasks they will eventually become our downfall. Departments need to care just as much about the unknown risk traffic stop, communication skills, report writing, evidence collection, field training, defensive tactics, and the hundred of other topics I don't have the time to list. If you build professionalism in your agency, people will want to stay. Competent supervision. They say that people do not leave jobs. They leave leaders. That is very true in law enforcement. At my agency, the officers were allowed to choose their work shifts based on seniority. Once a year, the most senior officer would get to pick their shift, days, afternoons, or nights. Then, the next highest officer got to pick, all the way down the line to the most junior officer, once the shifts were filled up then the officers with the least seniority were basically assigned the open spots on the shifts the department would assign the supervisors to shifts and the supervisors didn't get a choice how agencies constantly create poor leaders is a topic for another podcast the department would not assign supervisors to shifts until after all of the officers had chosen shifts this was done for a specific reason It was done because the administrators knew that if the officers were aware of which supervisors were working which shifts, it would bias their choices. In other words, they knew they had supervisors that were so bad that none of the officers wanted to work with them. Instead of fixing those bad supervisors, either through proper training and motivation or ultimately removing them as supervisors, they decided the best thing to do was hide them. Agencies are filled with bad supervisors, and people leave bad supervisors. Let's stop hiring and start retaining. Work hard within your agency to increase pay to a competitive level. You don't have to be at the top. You just need to be in the conversation. Next, focus on benefits that your city can provide that doesn't get hung up on base salary. Create an agency that feels like home. One that is comfortable, where the employees want to be. A place that feels like people care, not just about the city, but about the individuals. Recognize your employees' good performance in front of their peers and family. Take to traditional and social media to sing the praises of your department. Don't let the anti police attack set the narrative in your community. Build a professional department. Make sure your employees are trained to do their jobs and encourage higher education and outside schooling. Give them a department that they can be proud to work for. Make sure you are giving your officers competent supervision bosses who care about the community and about the officers as individuals, people they can look up to. This is how we stop hiring and start retaining officers. This is the story we have to tell. Thank you for joining. As always, I'm curious what questions you're getting asked. What isn't the news covering? What story needs to be told? Connect with me, at Blue Canary Podcast at gmail.com.